This is the beginning time for incarnation, for God to quicken and skin and step among us. So with every traveller on the way, each follower of the promise, each wanderer and questioner, each one who dares to trust the promise of God, we come and step out on this Advent journey. Hi and welcome to St Ninian's Church in Stonehouse. My name's Stuart and I get to be the minister here. It's wonderful to welcome you from wherever you find yourself today. We're so glad that you have chosen to join us. As always, you can find out all about who we are and what we do on our website at saint-ninians-stonehouse.org.uk and that includes all of the things that we're doing over this Advent season. Today, I'm joined by Avril and she will read for us and lead us in prayer later. So, let's listen for the word of God. Isaiah chapter 64 verses 1 to 9 Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down, so that the mountains would quake at your presence, as when fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries, so that the nations might tremble at your presence. When you did awesome deeds that we did not expect, you came down. The mountains quaked at your presence. From ages past no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who works for those who wait for him. You meet those who gladly do right, those who remember you and your ways. But you were angry and we sinned. Because you hid yourself, we transgressed. We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a filthy cloth. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. There is no one who calls on your name or attempts to take hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us, and you have delivered us into the hand of our iniquity. Yet, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, and you are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be exceedingly angry, O Lord. And do not remember iniquity forever. Now consider, we are all your people. Mark chapter 13 verses 24 to 37 But in those days after that suffering, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. Then he will send out his angels and gather his elect from four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near, at the very gates. Truly I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But about that day or hour no one knows, neither the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Beware, keep alert, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey. It's like a man going on a journey. When he leaves home and puts his slaves in charge, each with his work and commands the doorkeeper to be on the watch. Therefore keep awake, 
for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or at cockcrow, or at dawn, for else he may find you asleep when he comes suddenly. And what I say to you, I say to all, keep awake. As we step into Advent, it's a bit of a shock to be presented with this apocalyptic vision from Mark's Gospel. But then it's 2023, so maybe we shouldn't be surprised to get a reading about darkness covering the earth and stars falling from the sky. This season of Advent, this four weeks at the start of the church year, is the very essence of the now and not yet of the Gospel. Advent simply means the arrival of a notable person or thing, so it's easy to see how that gets sucked into that only being about Christmas, because we're waiting for the arrival of a baby. This year, more than ever, that's true for Avril and I as we wait for the arrival of our first grandchild in the next couple of weeks. It's funny how 40 weeks can seem both like the blink of an eye and forever at the same time. So here we all are, waiting waiting to once again tell the story of the time when God slipped into skin and lived among us, waiting to hear carols, waiting to eat turkey, waiting to exchange presents. But Advent isn't actually about waiting for Christmas, because Christmas has already happened. So what is it that we wait for? We wait for things to change for the better. We wait for Christ to come again. We wait because our world is a a mess and we need things to change. We always think that we are the first people to ever have felt like this. But as usual, there's nothing new here. The prophet Isaiah wrote these words two and a half thousand years ago. There is no one who calls in your name or attempts to take hold of you. For you have hidden your face from us and have delivered us into the hand of our iniquity. The people of Isaiah's time had been defeated and many of them had been carried off by the Babylonians. Jerusalem had been destroyed and Isaiah writes amid the rubble. It felt like all was lost, that God had deserted them because well, because they had wandered off from the path that God had given them again. They only looked after themselves. They built up armies with chariots and horses and they had used slaves to build the temple forgetting that their ancestors had been enslaved in Egypt and that God had led them to freedom. It was supposed to be different, a new way of living. But it all went wrong. And there in the ruins, Isaiah names their path. You have hidden your face from us, God. Where are you? Why have you let this happen to us? As we look around our world, it all sounds so familiar. Our response, like Isaiah's, can be to wonder, why why has God let this happen to us? What have we done to deserve this? I'm not sure that's even the right question. Adversity comes and goes. Covid wasn't some biblical plague, a punishment for our sins. But what it did do, like any time of trial was to expose our real concerns, our priorities. For some, it brought about caring, responding to need, looking after those who needed the most help. But for others, it brought out a self-centred disregard for their neighbours. The question Isaiah and Mark both settle on is a much better question. What will make it right 
what needs to happen to make all this disaster and disappointment, this selfishness and greed, this hurt and heartache, what needs to happen to make that all better? Or perhaps, who will make it right as a more correct reading? For Isaiah, the who is a long-promised Messiah. Someone sent by God to once again set his people free. But it's a long wait. The people taken off to Babylon are eventually allowed to return, but not because the Messiah comes. They're freed because time passes, and a new king decides that they should be allowed to return home. But the rumours persist. One day, one day, a Messiah will come. One day. The rumour grows when the Romans show up. Surely, surely the time is now. Surely the Messiah will come and free us from another occupation. So the now of the now and not yet is that the Messiah did come. A child was born. A child who did change everything. And he did. The world, even 2,000 years later, is a profoundly different place because of Jesus, because of his teachings. And that leaves a question, though. If the Messiah has already come, then what is it we're still waiting for? Why isn't everything sorted out? Why is the world in the state it's in? So in Advent, we enter into that restless waiting. We don't wait so much in the moment where God enters into our world in frail flesh to, to live our life and to show us a better way. We'll get to that soon, in just a few weeks. Now we wait and hope, hope that things will change, that the world will find a way to be at peace. And it's a precarious waiting, like waiting for any birth. The last days are full of hope and anticipation, but also nervousness. There's such vulnerability. Hope is fragile. And it needs to be cared for gently, nurtured and allowed to grow. Parenting's the best and the hardest job in the world. We want our children to be free, but we also want them to do what they're told. We want them to follow their dreams, but we also want them to keep their feet in the ground. We want them to love and be loved, but we want them never to be hurt. And we'll betide the person who does that. We look around and we see the world crashing down around other people's children and we wonder... What will it take to make it stop? And so we wait. We wait for someone somewhere to do something. We're not very good at this, are we? We're all flawed. There are things in people that we find difficult, moments where we just don't live up to our own promise, times where we fall down and times where it takes a while to get back up again. We know we should do better, that we should be better, but when things don't seem to get any better, it's easy to lose hope, easy to stop trying and to, to grasp onto quick fixes or to have a momentary lapse that makes us feel better for a short time, but actually leads to more hardship in the long term. It's Isaiah that gives voice to it. Do not be exceedingly angry, O Lord. And do not remember an iniquity forever. Now consider we are all your people. Apocalyptic writing like this passage we read from chapter 13 of Mark's Gospel is about that same kind of struggle. The one where we perceive the possibility of the coming of something better. A time when all the pain and sorrow and violence and hurt will be gone. Yes, the Messiah came. 
And yes, things did change. People changed, lives changed, the way we live and think and worship and all kinds of things changed. But each week we still pray, your kingdom come. Because we still wait. We're still dissatisfied, still restless, longing for things to change. Mark grapples with this question. What will happen when everything is as it should be? Because things aren't as they should be. Things aren't even as they could be. Sure, we have moments, fleeting glimpses that of that tantalising kingdom where we recognise the possibilities that, that it really could be like that. That the kingdom we pray for could be a reality. And that's what we really wait for in Advent. The not yet, the time when Christ will come again and all will be completed and restored and renewed. The time when God's kingdom really will come to earth as it is in heaven. Waiting is about living in a state of anticipation. That nervous excitement when we know that something good is coming but we don't quite know when or what it will be like. It makes us watchful, looking for signs that that moment is approaching soon. And so we notice. We notice that trees might be going up or Christmas lights have been switched on. It may be the weather or little bits of chocolate from a calendar or another candle lit. But Advent is a time of waiting, a time of anticipation, a time of watching for the signs that show us that the kingdom of God is breaking into our world. That doesn't come in trees and adverts. It doesn't come in turkeys and tinsel. It doesn't come in chocolate and candles. The inbreaking of the kingdom comes in moments of kindness and acts of love. It comes in justice being done and freedom won. It comes in daily bread for all and the release from captivity of all our wrongdoing. Our waiting is not passive. Our waiting is not sitting idle. Our waiting is, is not without task. Like Mark does, we are called to bring attention to the waiting to notice the signs and to share the hope. We're called to be light in the darkness. Our job, our job is the bringing in of this new kingdom. So as the frost is hard and the silence deepening, as the light shrinks and the waiting is long, it is the advent and we wait. We wait with the prophets, listening and hearing their ancient whisper the long echo of the deepest hope the universe has known, of a promise, a promise coming real. And now, now you can almost touch it, feel its breath, and this first moment of Advent's quickening. So let's turn towards the sound of holy restlessness. And in these shortening days, long for the light, so beware, keep alert, for you do not know when the time will come. And you wouldn't want to miss it now, would you? Throughout our 
Creator God, we bring our prayers from a world in deep distress. There are signs and portents all around us, and no one can tell what they mean. Fires and plagues and pestilence, a shaking up of all we thought we knew. Leaders who are corrupt or foolish are just as helpless as we feel in the face of forces that we cannot control. And yet we dare to believe that it is your world. We go on asserting that you care, not just because to do otherwise is unthinkable, but because the old stories have a hold on us and we hold on to them. We kneel with shepherds and sages by the straw-filled crib and we worship. We listen, spellbound to the stories told on hilltop and sandy shore, and we are hooked. We watch, aghast, as softly the agony ends and the final breath escapes. We grieve and we despair. We wake up early and we wonder if maybe, just maybe, new hope may come with the dawn. God of birth and growth, decline and death, God of whatever came before and whatever may come after, the brief troubled lives that we know, we bring to you prayers in these moments of quiet. We commit to your care and keeping our lives and our loved ones. We pray for our world and our worries on its behalf. We long for you to come and save us. May we be ready when you do. 
when your friends ran out of words to pray and gave them these words, and so we join with them and with your friends around the world as we pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory for ever. Amen. Let there be something in the waiting, in the longing, in the aching, a seed of hope, a glimmer of light on the far off horizon, a new song as old as time, humming, rising and irresistible to those who catch even a snatch of its eternal harmonies. Let there be something in the waiting, in the longing, in the aching. May it stir us awake to watch and to wait and to pray. And may the blessing of God, known to us as Father, Son and Holy Spirit, be with us all in this waiting time and forevermore. <laughs>